Hi, and welcome to the Women Crush Wednesdays podcast from New York Women in Film and Television. We bring you insightful discussions with women working in entertainment and media, highlight current accomplishments of our members, and preview upcoming NYWIFT events. I'm Janine McGoldrick. And I'm Tammy Reese. Happy to be with you all. We begin today's episode with our Meet a Member segment. Cassandra Steinfeld has a great chat with our board member, Rachel Watanabe Batten, who shares why she joined NYWIF and highlights her upcoming Disney Plus film, Sneakerella. Hello, everyone. I'm honored to be here at NYWIF again with our awesome listeners and today's off the charts meet a member guest, NYWIF board member, director, producer, founder and strategist of Contradiction and Struggle, and so much more, Rachel Watanabe Batung. Ohio gozaimasu, Rachel-san. Oh, ohayou gozaimasu, Sandra. <laughs> so lovely. Thank you for inviting me to, um, to speak about my love as a producer for the medium of cinema. Could you please give our listeners a little background on your career and experience and uh, how you found and why you joined NYWIFT? Oh, sure. Um, I've been a producer uh, for many years now. I started out as a director when I was in college. Um, Lauren Greenfield and I made our first film together and got it on WGBH. And it was about Irish undocumented immigrants marrying for green cards. Because back in those days, in the 80s, everyone we knew was undocumented was white and Irish in Boston and Cambridge. And then um, I really fell in love with it because it was a very hybrid form of working with people in the communities and theater and um, actors of all different kinds. And I'm particularly fond of immigrant and migration stories um, and really looking at people, you know, from working class communities Mm -hmm. that have created tremendous cultural impact in this country and around the world. Yeah, I joined NYWIFT, went back to New York. I started going back. I'm originally from New York um, and I went to L.A. um, after college and I I decided, oh, I need to have kind of a a group. I'd always had a kind of collective of people in L.A., Um, of just artists and filmmakers that I lived near, many of them um, quite global. Um, And I found that I needed that same thing. You know, it was like having my own kind of Charlie Chaplin bungalows that which literally I used to live um, in these old wider (laughs) bungalows um, that were part of Warner Brothers, you know, Hollywood and the post mm-hmm. always rings twice was there. So I was looking, seeking a kind of camaraderie um, of artists. And I attended a mixer in Soho and I was invited by my friend who headed the Jamaican chapter of women mm-hmm. in film named uh, Maxine Walters. And it was so much fun. There was such collegiality and, um, I stayed, you know, when I came, moved back fully, I stayed in touch and I would attend some events. And then in 2000, I guess in eight, um, Mm -hmm. I joined the Producers Guild and became a, the chair of the Producers Guild Diversity Committee. 
And, you know, I had attended several NIWIFT events over the years. And I found that as I was going out and looking for partners, some of the best partners were really the women at NIWIFT, including Terry Lawler, who was then the executive director, and Lamonia Brown, who ran all the programs. And we collaborated, which was not a thing that necessarily all organizations did, but NIWIFT loved partnering. And mm-hmm. I am a strong believer that in order to build and make change, you need to work collectively, that it is not a single story, that we really have to build upon that collaboration, that I think all creative kind of movements are built on um, or have an element of that. And so NIWIFT appealed to me in that way. You know, one of the things that they seemed to open to and interested in, certainly the, the folks I was dealing with, was really making it look more like the landscape of the world and that they were interested in conversations about storytelling and um, even more recently about equity. And those are very important to me. You are a board member at NIWIFT. Could you um, just share a tiny bit on why you wanted to be a board member? Well, I was invited to join the board by Terry Lawler. I, I think, you know, I saw her sincerity in terms oh. of the work they were trying to do. I, and I see myself as someone who is able to connect people. Watanabe means one who connects or who ferries, you know, a bridge. And so really it's Nywift is also um, a welcoming place where the community and our board and certainly our executive committee, they're all interested in, in that intersectionality. And so my particular love and, and kind of natural skill set. um, has a purpose and and is valued at NIWIFT. And so I do think that's important for people who join boards or any organization is to see, understand what they're going for and to see if maybe you're a good fit, you know, if you can add value. The mission of NIWIFT um, was more than just being a trade organization. It was really about, you know, women calling the shots. And I like that. Speaking of calling the shots, I am super excited to share with our audience that your new film, Sneakerella, is opening May 13th. Sneakerella is a modern reimagination of the Cinderella fairy tale. Uh, How did you initially get involved with this project? It's very simple. I received (laughs) a call from my very good friend, Jane Starts, who is a longtime producer and she started a lot of the young adult content that we sort of take for granted today with Scholastic and forming their film and television division. And, and we actually, um, I rented space in her office that was once shared with Judy Bloom, the, the mm-hmm. author. And so it was really beautiful. And we'd done a lot of collaborating together on projects um, that were related to film preservation with the MoMA and the PGA and, you know, and, and Barbara Moss from NIWIFT was part of that. And so um, ironically, you know, my good friendship with the other executive producer of Sneakerella is also related to NIWIFT and through Barbara Moss, you know, um, and Barbara's one of the founders of the NIWIFT Women's Film Preservation Fund. And so Jane called me, 
um, and said, hey, I have this project that with Disney that I've been developing for a while. And I think you'd be great to work on it with me. And would you be interested? So she sent me the script. um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is sort of the middle of the pandemic in 2020. Um, And, you know, within a a month or so, uh, I was off to Toronto, Canada and um, on site and uh, working on the film. I loved the script. It's really uh, a beautiful modern day retelling um, of Cinderella with a male protagonist who's African-American, played by Chosen Jacobs. And he's a total sneaker um, (laughs) culture, you know, kind of inspiration. And what drew me to the project is that I, you know, though it's this Cinderella kind of retelling and it's a fairy tale, the characters are very real to me. It takes place in Astoria in New York, which was something that Jane sort of added to it. Creative people are walking amongst us all the time and that we should not underestimate people simply by what they're, how they appear outwardly, what are um, judgmental constructs of what a creative should look like. They don't mm-hmm. have to look like, you know, they went to prep school or that they are of a particular pedigree that in fact, really creative people are always redefining um, and breaking boundaries. Amen. That is so true. Please tell us a fun fact about yourself that many people aren't aware of. You know, I am, I love fashion and I'm one of these funny people who I like really glamorous fashion, but I also like very bohemian kind of country fashion. I grew up in a log cabin on 200 acres of woods on the border of Canada in Vermont when I was little. Um, and that was my first home. And I am just as comfortable sort of in the dark woods as I am, you know, on Park Avenue or in you know, on the Champs-Élysées. I really am someone who likes to explore wherever it is I am. And so I think that I, I think of the city like I would think of a forest as just full of wonder and um, try to get to know in the overview, but also in the details and the beauty and the quiet. So maybe that informs a little bit about my approach to life and to filmmaking. Beautiful approach. Thank you so much for sharing. What would you like to see more of from women in the film industry? Wow, that's a big question. What I would like (laughs) to see more of um, for women in the film industry is for us to do whatever the heck we want. Mm. Really, you know, um, I think there's always been a kind of prescription what is acceptable, what types of stories women tell. And I think those boundaries have been getting broken down for many years now, but also trust that we know ourselves. You know, it's the same wish that I have when I talk about Black stories or Asian stories or Latino stories. And, you know, all all within those broad strokes is a lot of detail. Right. And each one is going to have a different kind of feeling. And what I would also hope, excuse my little 
notifications no, <laughs> um, is that, you know, I, I'm always a woman. I'm always Japanese American. I'm always Nigerian. I'm always African-American. I'm always this sort of hybrid person, right? And I'm never one of those things. I think women need to feel empowered to tell mm-hmm. stories that put ourselves forward, not as minimal, not about a test, but just tell the story you want to tell. Do not try to have a formula for ourselves. And that is what it would look like and feel like to be free. And that's what I want for women who are telling stories and for myself, quite frankly, because we're all bound by what we've been told, how we have to comport ourselves to be taken seriously this way or that way. And I'm really happy to see women who are able to embrace their seriousness, their sexiness, their Mm -hmm. philosophical sides, you know, their being, you know, titans of industry, whatever the heck we want to do, just as I would expect any man or any non-binary person for that matter to do what they want to do. Be free as long as you do not oppress me. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Rachel, for taking time out of your incredibly busy and illustrious schedule to be here. Stay blessed, awesome, and inspiring. Thank you so much, Cassandra. It's really an honor to um, be asked to speak. And I love NYWIFT. And I really just can't wait to see what women filmmakers create in the years to come. Thanks, Rachel. We love having you on the board. And Sneakerella sounds like such a fun project. I really can't wait to see it. Yes. And Rachel reminded me why I wanted to join with Janine. <laughs> you know, community and camaraderie and collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the interview. Great job, Cassandra. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Before we get to our next interview, we have a brief news item to tell you about. Yes, Variety recently reported that the Sundance Institute has consolidated or cut two programs for filmmakers due to pandemic cost-cutting issues. So we wanted to let you guys know about some of them. Yes, the Sundance Interdisciplinary Program, a pilot with supported artists working across mediums with fellowships, residencies, and labs, will phase out after its inaugural year. The film music program, which nurtured emerging composers and film fellows, has also folded. And also the digital endeavor called Sundance Collab will lose some of its features to focus primarily on its most popular function, which I believe is the affordable paid learning for global users uh, looking to hone their indie filmmaking skills. And the organization's networking collective department is being absorbed across the Sundance Institute programs. Some important information for filmmakers who may have been planning to participate in these programs. So hopefully more services won't be cut, right, Janine? Yeah, I know I've done a little bit with the Sundance Collab and taken a few of their courses. And I know a lot of other uh, filmmakers have as well. So hopefully it's not a sign of more cuts to come within them and other organizations. But I can understand how they've been affected over the past couple of years because of COVID. It's unfortunate, but hopefully, you know, filmmakers will be able to pivot to something else if they were planning to be involved in some of those services. I agree. 
So listeners, uh, we're excited to tell you that a familiar voice has returned to the podcast, Leah Kearney, who took a hiatus the past year to focus on the birth of her first child, a little baby girl called Maggie. She's back and perfectly timed to Mother's Day. Leah brings us a feature interview with Tanya Molyneux, the creator of Moms Network for NYWIFT and the Mom Film Fest. So welcome back, Leah. Welcome back, Leah. Hi, everybody. It's Leah Kearney, and I'm so pleased today to be interviewing Tanya Molyneux. Tanya is a director, writer, and producer whose work showcases layered Black female characters while shedding light on social issues as they relate to the human experience. Her short film, Too Much Love, is being used in partnership with AIDS Healthcare Foundation as a PSA about HIV awareness. Her other short film, Travia, was named to honor Trayvon Martin, and it has been called A Visceral Response to Police Brutality. She's also a single mother of one, creator of the Moms Network for NYWIFT, and the founder of Mom Film Fest, a nonprofit organization that serves as a career development and advocacy resource for mothers working in film and television. Tanya, welcome to the Women Crush Wednesdays podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So we met through um, the Moms Network for NYWIFT, which you started, and I thought uh, I'd kick off our interview by, you can tell our listeners a little bit about it and what prompted you to, to create it. Yeah, so moms are my jam. Uh, <laughs> when I joined NYWIFT in 2017, I needed to be around women at that time. It was during a weird election. We just had all this stuff that just went on. And when I came in, I said, you know, direct me to the moms group. And they said, well, we don't have one. Would you like to start it? And I said, mm-hmm. um, of course. Uh, so I started it and, you know, it was always a resource and a way for us to come together. And we'd have guest speakers come in and talk to us about things like tax law, entertainment contracts, uh, all these things that I myself needed and wanted to learn. And I felt like it was a really great way to extend the network of other moms that I knew in our industry. Uh, and I don't know, we just, we still have our monthly meetings, not as often, but we do still have them. And it's a safe space for us to come together and whether we need to vent or if we have a question about something industry related, we get together and, and we talk about it. I, I Well, I personally, as a new mom found, I was so glad when the invitation popped into my, my email and I was so excited to join, but for those listening, I have a almost nine month old and she's adorable and it's an adventure, right? I mean, and so just being able to connect with other moms and other working moms in the entertainment industry is, is, was such a gift. So thank you for, for starting it just to transition a little bit to another organization that you created is the Moms Film Fest, which I I really want to tell our listeners about the mission. It's to amplify content made by moms and create job opportunities that will get hashtag moms back on set and back to work in the film and television industry, which, you know, is in these, I don't even want to say post-pandemic because we're still in it. Um, but you know, in these times is maybe more important than ever, but wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how the mom's film fest came about and, and what it's all about. And then by the way, listeners, it's open for submission. So (laughs) maybe you can tell us some of the specifics too, about what you're looking for um, and who can submit. 
plug, plug, plug. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> we'll include all the links in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> Fantastic. So the Mom Film Fest, they actually started during the pandemic. It was maybe the week or two after that initial lockdown in March. We had done interviews with members of the Moms Network that we were releasing as promos on March 1st. Uh, And so I had that and I was editing and looking through it and I felt like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I have access to these wonderful women in our industry. And once the pandemic happened, I said, you know, I always wanted to have a way to celebrate us. And I envisioned it would be this sort of luncheon or banquet that we would have. And we'd have our kids there, the ones who were old enough to hand out awards and we'd get everybody up on stage and they would think they were nominated for something, but I'd have an Oprah moment and it'd be like, you get money and you get money. And, you know, (laughs) we're giving people funding to do their projects. And during the pandemic, everybody was going stir crazy. And we're now at home with these kids 24 seven and we're the nurse and the chef and, you know, beyond the teacher mom. Yeah. Teacher. That was a really big one uh, for me too. But I said, I want to do some way to celebrate us. I had access to this great community of moms through the Moms Network with NYWIFT. And I said, let me put some feelers out there, see if people would be interested. And then George Floyd's murder happened and the protests. And the question was, is this the right time to do this? And the answer was absolutely. You know, Mm -hmm. we're talking about social justice issues. We have that's one of our categories, social justice. Uh, we have a mom themed category. So we were like, we're going to go with the times, do what feels right in this moment. And that's how the festival was born. And from there, we received really beautiful films. I thought people would have given me old, <laughs> old films that just had sitting around somewhere, you know, and they didn't. They gave us some really beautiful work. Some of it is about motherhood. Some of it is not. I think that's the beauty of us as filmmakers. You know, we have stories to tell, whether it relates to our motherhood journey or not. Uh, And I was just really excited to see the talent from these women and then to know that they were also moms. It was this really beautiful thing. And but I also got to see how we could benefit from more support. So the following year, uh, we became a nonprofit, and now we have different initiatives to help all moms, but we have an emphasis on helping Black moms in film and moms over 50 and also moms who are returning to the workforce. Uh, And the festival is now a really big part of our programming, but we're also, we have other initiatives that we're doing as well. So in terms of getting women back into the workforce, in terms of getting moms back on set, like, are there some practical things that, that we can, where we, where can we start as, as an individuals and as an industry? You know, it's going to sound insane, but a place that we can start and something that we're struggling with is we have all of these women who are mothering in the shadows, who are silently momming and doesn't really help what we're trying to do um, because the fact is there are a lot of us out here doing it. So for me too, and we also need to have this research and we need these statistics because in the UK and Canada, magically they have all these stats and they get funding and they have government help Mm. and, you know, people are in there to support. So we need that as well. And I remember when I first started uh, with mom, 
that's what I was trying to do. And even with the Moms Network, trying to reach out to different places that do research about women. And I would say, hey, where's the information about moms? And they're like, well, but we're doing things about women or, you know, organizations that are women led and for women. But if you're not doing it for the moms, it's almost like you're dangling these opportunities in front of us. But then it's like, okay, well now, you know, I would just need to make sure I can do it during these hours when the kid is in school or, you know, I have a child, what's happening with childcare. And they're like, yeah, you got to figure it out on your own. Mm. It's not really fair. Um, but I would say something very simple would be for us to be able to showcase the fact that we're moms and we can boast about it. It isn't something that is hide in the shadows. Yeah. You know, because, and I get it, it's a legitimate, uh, fear that, you know, they're not going to be hired for jobs, right. Especially women working in the camera department. I have a lot of conversations with them and they are the ones who are the most quiet about it because Mm. they know they'll be asked, you know, well, are you going to be able to go shoot in France for two months? Like who's, who's watching the kid? They're not asking the fathers those questions, you know? And so it's, it's really an unfair challenge that we have to deal with, but it's, it's on us too to come together and support each other and be like, okay, she's a mom. She's a mom. She's, Mm. she's doing it. Like, let's, let's keep at it. And I think also when people hear the word mom, they think you always have this breastfeeding child (laughs) and they don't realize like our kids go through stages and phases just the same way that we do. And what I love about our community is we have moms with the wee babies and we have moms with the adult children who are like, listen, (laughs) that button doesn't turn off. (laughs) Always going to be a mother. Like Joanna White Oldham is the co-founder of Mom Film Fest and she has older children. And once she told me that button doesn't turn off, I was like, my God, she's a genius because you get to this point where you're like, it's going to get easier when they're older (laughs) and things are going to get better. And it's like, they don't get easier. They just change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have adult children, like Joanna says, you are now dealing with adults who have adult problems. So welcome to that stage. Uh, I'm not quite I got there. a little, got a little ways to go, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but you're probably, your daughter is 12, 12. She's 12 going on 30. So she's just <laughs> a whole other personality. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's really coming together, supporting each other, acknowledging. Cause when I see other moms, I gravitate towards those women. And we also have women in our group who are not yet moms, but they're here because they're trying to figure out how are they going to navigate this if they do decide to go down that path? And they also understand, you know, when we do our in-person mixer, there may be kids running around. There may be women in the, the back room who need to breastfeed their children. And that's just what we come with. <laughs> so I, I pulled a, a Shonda Rhimes quote that I, I just love, and I'll, I'm happy to read it if you don't mind, because I feel like it <laughs> resonates with what you just talked about. And she says, um, I find it offensive to motherhood to call being mother a job. It being a mother isn't a job. It's who someone is. It's who I am. You can quit a job. I can't quit being a mother. I'm a mother forever. Mothers are never off the clock. Mothers are never on vacation. Being a mother redefines us, reinvents us, destroys us, and rebuilds us. Being a mother brings us face-to-face with ourselves as children, with our mothers as human beings, with our darkest fears of who we really are. Being a mother requires us to get it together or risk messing up another person forever. Being a mother yanks our hearts out of our bodies and attaches them to our tiny humans and sends them out into the world forever hostages. Oh. And I, I read that and I, I had to laugh because 
for one thing, I mean, as a new mom, I, I do feel like suddenly my heart is outside my body walking around. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, a very exciting and vulnerable experience. Um, but also to, to your point that you just said, it's, it's not, you don't turn it off. You're, you're, you know, even as the, your baby grows and becomes an adult, you're still a mother. It's, it's we woven into the fabric of, of who you are. And, and I just really appreciate what you said and what you're trying to do with both the NIWIFT Moms Group and Mom Film Fest in terms of more visibility for moms yes. and, and less shame, maybe. Um, you know, how can, can women support each other in the workforce, whether you identify as a mom or not? Maybe you have stepkids, maybe you have no kids and no interest yes. in kids. But like, I think there's probably still opportunities to be allies to make the workforce more equitable in terms of families and family dynamics. Absolutely. I think it's important to be a voice in the room when we are not there, you know, uh, be a representative, get to know the challenges we face and the unique needs that we have so that you can speak out for us uh, when we aren't there. I think that's some of the hardest hurdles that I encounter as as a Black woman, as a filmmaker, it's like the rules are always changing. They tell you to follow this path and then you'll get to A, B, and C. But it's it's not true for me. Maybe it's a, a different path for, you know, white males who are in the industry and, you know, they can make a music video and then they're onto a feature film. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Uh, but I think in order to help support us, it it really is just about opening your your network and expanding your net right you know when they're like oh well I don't I don't really know any moms and I'm just happy with my my core group of people that I know and so now when they're given an opportunity or you know they're going to create a film uh you know talking about our industry they're going to go to those people that they know cast a wider net yeah you know extend it reach out to people even for myself uh when I was making a film over the summer it was about a black mom fighting for her son uh, with the school system called the champion. And I said, it would be so great to get all these black moms behind the scenes telling the story. And I couldn't find a lot of the roles. And I was like, I know they're out there. I mean, I, I don't know every person, every single mother on the planet. I would love to, by the <laughs> way. But I had to reach out to the people who were in camera, to the people who were gaffing and say like, hey, where are these people? And if they are not there, we have to create opportunities to get them onto that path. Because I do know quite a few who want to go that course, but the opportunity is not there for them. So if you're a decision maker or you find yourself, you know, crewing up for a project, extend it, open up to people who don't just look like you, you know, who are not just in your same category, like open it up and, and find those different people and celebrate that diversity seriously. Mm. That's such a great bit of advice. And I, I had a personal win recently, even though I wasn't a deci decision maker, actually, um, where a team that I'm a part of was hiring and they had just put it out to their network. And the applicants that we got, surprise, surprise, were all white men. Mm. And I was like, look, 
put it on the NYWIFT uh, jobs board, put it on, the, you know, here are half a dozen resources where you can put out the same job notice and get a different pool of applicants. And I'm just really pleased to, you know, I didn't make the hiring decision, but they got more candidates and we ended up hiring a woman of color. And I was yeah. just like, it wasn't actually that hard, but it did take, it, it took speaking up for one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it and it did take finding other avenues other than just the known, other than just the obvious to yeah. you. And we yes. all have our obviouses and we all have our blind spots. So, so yeah, yes. um, definitely. Well, thank you for speaking up. Yeah, thank you. I just, I'm sharing it with you and with, with all of our <laughs> listeners that, you know, if I can do it, anyone can. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yes. Be the voice. Like, let, let's go. I don't think society understands the work that we are doing here in raising the next generation of world leaders, academics, creatives. Like, so you're welcome society. (laughs) Just the mom sounds like a pretty badass, pardon my French thing to be. Absolutely. Well, so that's actually one question I had for you is, do you feel like you're starting to see how motherhood is depicted on, on screen in TV and film? Is it starting to change? Because I think part of why we have that just a mom mindset is because most of the portrayals that we've seen on screen of mothers are either the like self-sacrificing, you know, angelic, you know, perfect mother or the like evil stepmom or, you know, wicked, um, bad mom. And there's very little nuance historic. I mean, my experience, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's, um, always been exceptions to the rule, but, but largely we, we haven't, shown in in tv and film the the complexities and like you said what what it is to be a mom so i'm just curious if there are examples that you've seen recently that that you were like yes finally um someone's someone's showing what what it really is i will say i'm very thankful that we have a mom themed category at mom film fest with our film festival and you can always tell when a mom is telling a story that's what I will say. You can tell the authenticity of it versus, like you said, we have those tropes. I can see the difference between when a story is told by a mom and it's authentic versus a lot of these, what we're still seeing, and there isn't much substance to it. I think giving us more power to tell those stories matters. And that's where we really see the change. Like the, the stories that I'm thinking of right now are not projects that we've seen publicly yet. Mm-hmm. Um, there are quite a few of our members as well who have these really beautiful stories about motherhood, but it's not that they're only telling their motherhood journey. They're telling their stories of what happened in their lives. And motherhood is is a part of that. A part of it. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 Well, so just some details about the Mom Film Fest, because it is open currently open for submission. So the uh, the festival itself is online. Uh, and it takes place August 19th through the 21st, 2022. Um, but there will be this year, pa- pandemic permitting, um, mm-hmm. an in-person industry mixer and awards ceremony um, so that there is an in-person component. But um, we'll definitely include the link to in the show notes, but maybe you can tell a little bit about uh, who can submit and, and what you're looking for. Absolutely. So anyone is welcome to submit a short film or series. The maximum runtime is 30 minutes. Uh, If it's a series, we would need at least two episodes and the maximum runtime of all episodes combined cannot exceed 30 minutes. So anyone is welcome to submit 
as long as they've had a mom within a leadership position, unless it is for the best director, best cinematographer, or outstanding performance categories, then obviously those people would have had to have been the mom on the project. Excellent. And the the deadline to submit, um, the regular deadline is May 13th coming up, and the late deadline is June 3rd. So Late and final. (laughs) Late and final. Thank you. Yes. And uh, so, so get, get your films in, Um, get, get them seen. I, I, uh, I'm really excited to uh, attend and I appreciate before we started the conversation, you mentioned that part of why it is online is not just because of the pandemic, but because it makes it more accessible to moms. Yes, absolutely. So that online uh, structure is set up for moms, because I know sometimes we can't get in to watch a film or do that moment of taking a moment for yourself in the day until midnight. And if it's me, I always set my kid up and, you know, before I have to go to an event and I'm like, all right, I need to be there at seven. I'm going to get her situated for six, six 55. She's coming to me. She needs something, a stomach hurts or something. So I either end up late to the event or I miss it altogether. So I wanted to keep it online so that if you get that interruption, you can press pause, come back, finish watching the film, and you don't have to miss a beat. Fantastic. Well, we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask what what you have upcoming. You know, you've, you have produced beautiful films, and I know you have uh, more in the pipeline. So is there anything you want to share with our listeners to to either check out now or to stay tuned for? Ah, yeah, they can definitely stay tuned. I am finalizing my screenplay. It's a dramedy about divorce. It's called Getting Help. Uh, And I'm really excited about that. It's got some tricky moments in there uh, because they're emotional. And so for me, when I have to drudge all that up, it's like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a good story. uh, And I'm excited that that'll be on the in the works and it'll be ready soon. Congratulations. Well, yes, we will definitely stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, you can check out um, Mom Film Fest on Instagram and on Facebook, or just go to momfilmfest.org for all the details and to submit your film. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Really a pleasure. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting to have Leah back and knowing that this interview just went so well and being a mom myself. Um, I wish I um, knew about um, the moms program part of Night With. Um, I want to learn more about it. I definitely want to connect with Tanya as well and talk with Leah as well about it. Um, it's good to have community for mothers because a lot of people don't know the sacrifices we go behind the scenes, um, especially being in the industry. Sometimes, you know, Work comes first, but, you know, motherhood never ends and definitely is top priority. I think it's very interesting that um, you say that you didn't know about this mom's network being a mom. I am not a mom, but I didn't even know we had this network. I think it's great. Leah actually came to us and said, I want to do this interview because I'm a part of this. It's, you know, as members, we're still learning all of the great services that NYWIFT has to offer. 
And so many times on this podcast, we've profiled women who have seen a void somewhere in the industry and took it upon themselves to fill it. And Tanya did just that by creating the Moms Network for NYWIFT. And it's such a familiar story among our membership. And I truly love that about our NYWIFT community. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll be right back, speaking of uh, all wonderful things in iWift, with a programming update from Katie Chambers after this quick break. Hey, Women Crush Wednesdays listeners, it's Katie Chambers, Community Engagement Director at NYWIFT here with a special update for you on upcoming NYWIFT programs happening virtually. We hope you'll join us today, Wednesday, May 5th at 4 p.m. Eastern for a special NYWIFT Talks with Elizabeth Corradino and David Rabinowitz of Moses and Singer LLP talking about all things intellectual property and the law as it pertains to social media. You can catch it today live, or if you miss it, since we know that it's coming out the same day as this episode, you'll be able to find it on our homepage at nywif.org under our programming goes digital. We record all of our virtual programs and we keep them there for you to enjoy after the fact. Then, just in time for Mother's Day on Monday, May 9th, we have a NYWIF Talks about moms working in film. We will sit down with Layla Meadow-Connor, who is the founder of Mama.Film, a village at the crossroads of art and advocacy, where storytellers, changemakers, and nurturers come together to champion humanity through a maternal gaze. Plus, we'll also have NYWIF member Tanya Molyneux, who is the founder of Mom Film Fest and who runs our NYWIF Moms Network. Both of those events are free to attend and available to register now on our website at nywift.org events. We hope to see you there. Now for our weekly recommendation, we turn things back over to Leah. Hi, everybody. Leah Kearney back again to share a recommendation for something I'm watching. I'm a few episodes into... Inventing Anna, created by Shonda Rhimes, which is now streaming on Netflix, and really enjoying it. It's a, a fun, juicy show about rich people behaving badly, but it's got some great ways that motherhood and parenthood is woven into the show, even though it's not essentially about motherhood or parenthood. It's, you know, a, a fun uh, journalistic law drama, but a lot of the characters happen to be parents. And I, I, I really appreciate that. So yeah, recommend checking it out. Thanks, Leah. I actually watched all of Inventing Anna and I thought it was a lot of fun. I love con stories. So um, I hope that everybody gets a chance to, uh, to check that out. And it's great having you back, Leah. And we look forward to hearing more from you in future episodes. Listeners, hope you enjoyed today's episode. We thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, or wherever you get our podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a good rating and leave a review. It helps more listeners find their way to us. And if you want to nominate yourself or a fellow NYWIF member for one of our spotlight segments, share a funny story or an important career lesson learned, then as always, you can hit us up at communications at nywift.org. Tammy, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you, Janine. And to all of our moms out there, until we meet again, keep on crushing it.